And we're live. Uh, it's on Texas Football Longhorn live stream on Tuesday night with myself, Bobby Burton, and Jerry Hamilton of Inside Texas and on three. Uh, Jerry, news breaking day and night, kind of this time of year. It's it's National Signing Day week. Uh, Texas Longhorns are in on two players still for this signing period. Warren Roberson, a safety out of Red Oak High School in the Metroplex, and Deuce Robinson, a tight end out of Phoenix. Uh, also uh, happening uh, this week, uh, Texas and the Big 12 released its uh, 2023 football schedule. Jerry and I will be talking about that. And then third, uh, the Longhorns split a pair of uh, tough games. Uh, the Longhorns going to Knoxville on Saturday uh, evening and losing to Rick Barnes's volunteers, but then come back on Monday night at Moody and beat Baylor. Uh, the Longhorns now in basketball lead the Big 12 with a 7-2 Conference record. Jerry, let's start it off with recruiting. What's the latest on Roberson and Deuce Robinson? Yeah, uh, nothing that we haven't reported on Warren Roberson. I believe he's announcing Friday the 3rd. Uh, that that means he won't sign earlier tomorrow, sending his LOI, uh, wherever that's going to be. We Look, I haven't changed my uh, RPM prediction for Texas. I don't have any reason to change that. I think TCU's in the fight. I think USC's in the fight. Um, but I think there's a lot of positive momentum for Texas. Uh, chatter in the DFW area this morning, um, or yesterday, I should say, was still Texas in a good position for Warren after the weekend. Jonte Cook, Malik Muhammad have been working that one hard from the recruit and player angles at Texas. They all grew up in the same area, Dallas. Uh, Warren played youth sports with both of those guys at various times. Uh, so I think Texas in a good position to flip. Uh, the on-three consensus four-star safety from TCU. Uh, Lincoln Riley, you know, he made that unofficial visit two weekends ago. Lincoln came by the school last week. Uh, so USC, we can't discount uh, their chances, but I think right now Texas is in a pretty good spot. Uh, I want to talk to you about Deuce Robinson next, uh, but first, uh, or excuse me, not Deuce Robinson. Uh, I want to talk to you next about the Texas football schedule, but first I want to say thank you to our sponsor for this uh, live stream. And that's Energy Texas. Energy Texas is for Texans by Texans. When Energy Texas becomes your energy provider, you're dealing with and calling people in the great state of Texas, not back east, not overseas, Texans. We're proud to be from the greatest state in the union and prouder still to be fighting for the little guy against big power. That's www.energytexas.com. We're also going to be taking your, uh, your questions on the uh, live stream tonight, uh, as we always try to do. Uh, so please get those in. Uh, Jerry, let's start with the uh, – let's talk a little bit about the uh, Big 12 schedule uh, that came out today. Longhorns only have four home games in conference. Uh, Matt, our producer, can you put up those that uh, that schedule uh, for folks when you get a chance? Longhorns only have four conference home games, excluding the game in Dallas, of course, with OU. Uh, also, they play every single um, Texas team – in a round robin type format, so Texas Tech, TCU, <laughs> Baylor, Houston—they're they're playing them all, and every other Texas team is playing every other Texas team. So it's truly a round robin amongst those five teams. Yeah, you know, what, my first reaction to looking at this schedule is, you can get to the college football playoff with this schedule. That was my initial reaction. You know, if you go win. Week two at Alabama, and look, I don't think this is the Alabama that we're used to seeing. I, I, I just don't. I, I, I they're going to be breaking in a new quarterback next year. They're losing a lot of pieces. 
Um, now, they have really good players. They're always going to have really good players, but they aren't Georgia right now. Bottom line. Now, they'll be jacked up for this game, but they aren't Georgia uh, right now. And it's a, it's taken Kirby a long time to get to that point, but that was my first thought after looking at the game at Houston, which obviously is going to draw a lot of internet chatter uh, on, on, on inside Texas message board and whatnot. But I'll tell you what, there couldn't be a better schedule for Sarkeesian to go win 10-11 games and get to the Big 12 title game and push for a playoff spot. Well, I mean, you take Alabama out of there, Rice and Wyoming. Rice made a bowl game this year, I think, at 5-7. and seven. Right. Uh, but, uh, you know, those two you, you think are wins, uh, their home games. Uh, then you go to Baylor early in the season. Uh, you get Iowa, TCU, Iowa State, Texas Tech, uh, and Kansas State actually is the first of that four-game stretch. That's a pretty strong end to your season as well. No, it is. and But look, the way I look at this is I don't think Baylor next year is going to be as good as they were this year. I don't think TCU is going to be as good as they were this year. Iowa State, not sure what they make of Iowa State. But you get Kansas State, the Big 12 champion at home. You get Texas Tech, who's on the up, and Joey McGuire at home. I thought they signed some really good speedy players in this class. And Texas will be ready for that game this year, right? Um, hopefully there's a lot on the line for the Longhorns. But the Kansas, a program on the rise, you get at home. I don't know what to expect from Oklahoma at this point next year. But the tougher games, I believe you have at home. Um, at TCU, always going to be a tough game. But I just – they lose a lot, uh, Bobby. I mean, Baylor, I I think Baylor's headed in the wrong direction. I'll say it right now. Um, so I, it's just such a favorable schedule for, for me for the Longhorns. I I can't imagine the, the the coaching staff looked at this schedule and didn't think the same. We got a shot. I, I I'm I'm looking at this right now, and I and I feel like I, I understand where you're going with it, Jerry. I I just feel like it's uh it's one of those situations where you know you would like to ideally you get Kansas at the back end of the schedule when they've been beat up a little bit, right? And True. you know that's a team that is one deep. They're okay. Too deep, they're not very good, right? Um, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, I agree that you know Iowa State may be the odd team this year because they have a good quarterback coming back. Uh, Matt Campbell has had a down year now. Let's see what he does as a bounce back year. He's got some guys that have a little bit more experience now, uh, so we'll have to we'll have to wait and see uh, what comes of the Big Twelve schedule. We'll be talking about that and other things the rest of the night. Feel free to get your questions in uh, right now. Uh, Jerry, I want to uh, flip forward to the basketball team. Uh, Longhorns, uh, number 10 in the country, uh, taking on Baylor last night. Uh, the Bears came in ranked number 11. I think Baylor was – or Texas was 17-4, and four, and maybe Baylor was 16-5. and five. Yeah, something like that. Uh, but Baylor as a team, and Scott Drew as a coach, has had Texas's number, period. Um, <clears throat> last night, I thought Texas took the fight to them at the outset, uh, and followed through with it and hung on to win a uh, good team win last night for the Longhorns. A great bounce back on short rest. Both teams had short rest, obviously, but Baylor had a drive. They played Arkansas at home. Texas traveled to Knoxville and back late night Saturday. Uh, so not much time to prepare. And maybe that helped Texas in this game, honestly, the quick bounce back. Might have helped Texas after the Tennessee game. Rodney Terry didn't have to have much of a message after that game. Um, and every, you look, the Texas team 
we talk about the Texas team knows what's on the line here. That was a must-win game for them, and I think they played like it because not that they're sitting there thinking, well, we can't beat Kansas or Kansas State, but you got to hold serve at home. You already lost one home game to Kansas State. And you don't, you know, you have the tough stretch coming to two road games. Uh, so I think the Texas, the kids really brought it. Jabari Rice. I mean, what what more can you say about the guy? He's he's going to make a lot of money playing basketball. I don't know if it'll be off the bench at the NBA level or if it'll be at the highest overseas level of the G League. But he's got a career in basketball. And one of the things I said on one hundred four nine the horn this morning, Bobby, is you know being in the gym a little bit this summer. He's got. He's got a little Roshan Johnson to him. He's got that leadership. He's got that we're going to win this game mentality. And I think it's really showing. Uh, It showed at Oklahoma. It showed last night. I mean, he's a guy that helps you win basketball games, period, whether he's making shots or not. But then when he starts making shots, it's a different – and Texas had to have it because Marcus Carr was in foul trouble – uh, one of the other things I liked last night was Tyrese Hunter shooting it 17 times. I don't care how many times he made it. I want to see an aggressive Tyrese Hunter. Texas has to have an aggressive Tyrese Hunter. He, he can shoot himself out of the slump. He'll get back 100% healthy, but he's got to build his confidence back. And if that means he's 5 of 17 and 6 of 18 at Kansas State, I don't care. The ball needs to leave his hand. What he doesn't need to do is be 2 for 8 or 3 for 9. He's got to attack. He's got to show confidence in himself. He's got to get to where he's making shots. Because, look, Texas has to have two of the three senior guards or experienced guards, I should say, play well every night. But if you can get in the march and all three are kind of clicking, then you got a real chance. And I think Texas, look, they're sitting on that 2-3 seed line. I, I really think they're going to fluctuate between 2-3 seed, 3-4 seed line the whole way through Big 12 because the rest of the games are tough. At Kansas State Saturday, they'll stay in Kansas City and then play at Kansas Monday. I mean, that's two brutal road games. Um, but luckily, they don't. You know, they're in the state of Kansas for for both of them. But this schedule's it's tough. You got to hold serve at home. Uh, your home games left now are Iowa State, uh, Oklahoma, uh, West Virginia, and then Kansas. So you with this win last night, you're seven and two. You've, you've set yourself up to have a shot to go 12-6 and six in conference. If they do better than that, I mean, tip of the hat to Rodney Terry. He's probably the head coach at Texas, honestly. But if they can get to 12-6, and six, they're a three-seed at worst in the NCAA tournament. Hi, Jerry, um, I had one question come in on Inside Texas before we started the live stream. They want to know where Texas sits right now with Ron Holland, uh, the uh, basketball player out of Duncanville that has been committed to Texas and showed up uh, for a Texas home game. I guess last weekend, uh, is Texas still um, in, in there with Ron Holland? What's going on there? Yeah, look, I was by Duncanville three weeks ago now. Spent some time in the bat with the basketball staff in the gym. Ron Holland wants to be at Texas. His family wants him at Texas. That's the reason he made the decision has not changed. What will be interesting, and everybody, a lot of people think, oh, he'll just go to Arkansas. I was told Ron didn't really like Fayetteville. Not that he didn't like Musselman, Arkansas. He didn't really like Fayetteville. He really likes Austin. He likes Texas. He likes the idea of building his brand in his home state. That was Chris Beard, Rodney Terry's message to him. That has not changed. Um, You know, what will be the key determining factor with Ron Holland is where Rodney Terry's at. I I really believe that. And I'm not saying Rodney has to be the head coach or Ron Holland doesn't go to Texas, but where Rodney Terry's at next year, I think is going to be so impactful uh, in Ron's final decision, but he's still locked in with Texas. They're taking it slow. 
Um, they like what they see on the court. They like kids like how the tempo Texas is playing at this year. And that's what the beginning of the season, Chris Beard, Rodney Taylor, all those guys, you know, they said repeatedly they were going to play faster and they are playing faster. They're playing, they're playing at 73 ish possessions a game. Um, they're averaging 80 points a game. That helps you in recruiting, no doubt about it, because guys want freedom. They want to go somewhere they play faster and have a chance to go to the NBA in their mind. So I think all the things that why Ron committed to Texas are currently still in place, save Chris Beard. Uh, yep. So what Rodney Terry's asking to tell the story, but Texas fans right now, Ron still wants to be at Texas. A.J. Johnson still wants to be at Texas. Interesting. All right, let's get to some other questions. I'm going to open it up for questions tonight. Uh, again, Big 12 schedule is on the docket. We want to talk a little bit about that. We've got football recruiting going on. We've got uh, uh, basketball uh, as well to talk about. Anything and everything tonight is on on the uh, agenda. Uh, so you guys feel free to uh, fill up the question box and we'll try to get to them. Let's start with Freelance Society. He hit the super chat. Thank you. Uh, um, he has. He says, I think Texas has the hardest schedule overall out of Big 12 teams. Maybe Kansas State. OU has the easiest. Um, so, Matt, our producer, if you'll put up the Big 12 schedule, I think he's right about, about Kansas State having the, the toughest schedule here. Look at their their uh, games starting, I think, in mid-October, Jerry. They go, they play the Texas gauntlet. Texas Tech, then TCU, then Houston, then Texas, then, then Baylor. All in a row. Yeah. I mean, they yeah. play them all. Well, and look, too, they also have Missouri and UCF. I mean, they, they have a tough schedule. They have a tough big schedule, Big 12 schedule, but they have a tough schedule in general. Um, I, yeah, I I tend to agree with that. And then Iowa State on the back end, you just don't know. Um, but, yeah. Where they're going to be. I mean, you just don't know. Yeah. yeah, and Oklahoma, as far as the easiest Big 12 schedule, I mean, I mean. Uh, I, you know, I think it is. I'll, I'll just I, – I, I looked at it. Of the six teams that finished in the top half of the of the Big Twelve, yeah, OU plays the least. Yeah, that's true. Absolutely. So they, I think they play three of them. They play um, Texas, um, Oklahoma State, and TCU. Yeah. Of the top six in the Big Twelve last year, OSH, uh, Oklahoma only plays three of them. Yeah. I mean, and they weren't one of the top six. Like Texas was one of the top six. Texas plays four of them. Yeah. In this one. So, uh, yeah. You know, it, it, anyways, I'm not. I'm not. A big I hear it. Oklahoma, right I, I do agree. Oklahoma has the easiest schedule. Looking at it, um, I, I, I just really like to. I like Texas's schedule. I mean, is it toughest? Maybe uh, Kansas State, probably. But I, I just like the schedule Texas has. I, I, I don't know what to tell guys. I really like the schedule for Texas. Oh, look. I think UCF's going to knock off a couple of people next year. I, I don't have any doubt about it. People think UCF, but their talent level is a little higher than what people think. I think Gus Malzahn is made for this conference in a lot of ways right now. Um, and they're going to knock a couple of people off. So I think it's easy to look at these schedules and say, oh, well, you have UCF on the schedule, right? UCF, to me, is better than BYU in the Big 12. Hey, here's, here's an interesting one. A lot of people – it are already saying West Virginia's coach is going to be out after week four. <laughs> uh, Neil Brown is, is definitely on the hot seat, right? Yeah. But he plays Penn state then has a walkover should be a walkover in Duquesne. 
then has Pitt and Texas Tech, followed by TCU on the road. First five games and then a bye. People are already predicting the guy's going to be the guy's going to be walking in week five. Well, uh, yeah, it, it, you know, it looks like it to me too. But then if he beats Penn State week one, what are we, where are we at? But I mean, that is a that is a schedule that if you're on the hot seat, you don't want to look at at the start of the season. You only have one guaranteed win. Uh, somebody said maybe Texas Tech is the toughest. I'm looking at it. West Virginia is is, is should not be very good this year. I'm not a big believer in BYU. You, uh, I don't think it's any different. I mean, Texas has OU versus West Virginia. Yeah. Texas has Iowa State instead of Central Florida. I think I would take Texas's schedule as a little bit harder than Texas Tech's. Yeah. Yeah, I would too. I mean, the only thing is they go on the road. They do go on the road uh, to BYU, Texas, uh, and, as, and BYU and Texas are on the road. Uh, or no, excuse me, Baylor, BYU, and Texas are on the road. So I mean, you could, ar- you could actually argue BYU has the toughest schedule. <laughs> Would you look at it? I mean, Cincinnati, TCU, Tech, Texas, I mean, West Virginia, Iowa State, OU, and Oak State. Yeah, I, that's going to be a tough schedule if you're BYU. Bring it, it on. It's very interesting because it's hard to even contemplate Cincinnati, some of these teams in the Big 12. Right. Um, and that therein lies the problem a little bit with the well, with, you know, what, Cincinnati what's left with the Big 12. Yeah. I mean, that hold on a second, Cincinnati, they have a new coach. Right. I mean, totally new program, no more quarterback. I mean, that you don't even know what they're gonna look like. Half their team, I mean, a lot of their starters transferred, yeah. Um, because of the coach. And so you, you just don't know what it's what it's all going to look like. I, I think of the, I think of the four newcomers, UCF's the best team next year. Interesting. Okay. Um, all right. Going to another question. This one's going to be uh, recruiting based. Rob is saying Mike Farrell, one of my former co-workers, actually hired Mike back in 2001. If y'all will be, believe that, uh, when I was uh, just a wee lad, uh, Mike is predicting Deuce Robinson to Texas. Um, I think that's all it is, is a prediction. I'll just put it that way. He's guessing. It's not with insider knowledge. Would you agree with that that comment, uh, Jerry? Yeah, I would. I mean, look, we had a report today on Inside Texas that Texas believes they're very much in the mix. We broke the news that Jeff Banks, Kyle Flood were in home last Thursday. That was three days after USC and Georgia. Um, And one thing I've heard twice today is the USC in home Monday made a difference. but the key, I think one of the keys with these recruitments, um, especially this one, is where's the family going to be long term? They're not from Arizona. There's a chance they don't stay in Arizona. So where are they going to move? I think that's something to follow with this recruitment. Look, I mean, I think Georgia has been in the best position for a while. The, the, the use of the tight ends, what they do with Brock Bowers, and I'm not saying Deuce is that level athlete as Brock Bowers. Deuce is a very talented kid. Um, but you know, look, Georgia has a lot going for them. They're the best program in college football. They're going to have two first-rounder picks at tight end after next year. Um, we'll see what happens with Todd Monken. But I think the biggest news today, outside of for Texas fans, that Texas feels like they're in it after the in-home, is he's not playing on the sign Wednesday. And there's a chance he doesn't sign this week. And there's a chance he doesn't sign before April 1. And then there's a chance he doesn't sign at all. He just – shows up, signs scholarship papers at the school he picks, and he shows up in June, and he's working out for Major League Baseball scouts, and the July 17th, 19th is the MLB draft in Los Angeles. So there's so many moving parts to this recruitment right now. 
it's going to go back and forth. There's going to be a lot of chatter on all sides of it, baseball, football, the combination, MLB. Um, then if news gets out that this, the family's moving somewhere, how could that affect this recruitment? And I think it would. So we'll see what happens with Deuce. Um, I think George has been in the best position for a while. We'll see what happens. Yep. Uh, all right. Uh, Albert Pola coming in with a comment. Uh, I made a, a somewhat short-sighted comment earlier saying that Iowa State doesn't really lose anybody. They actually are losing a, a, a big receiver. Xavier Hutchison uh, is gone for them, and he was most of their offense last year. Uh, but we'll see exactly what that means, how much. I mean, it, was he really a big-time player, or was he a product of an offense? I, I'm not – I think he's a good player. I think he's a pro player. I don't necessarily think he's a first-round pick. So right. uh, he, he's eminently replaceable. Um, and so we'll, we'll see how that goes. But I still fully feel like the quarterback at Iowa State is streaky enough and good enough to beat some teams that maybe I, an Iowa State shouldn't be. We'll, we'll have to see what they look like on offense scheme-wise next year as well. Yeah, Tom Manning is gone. Their yep. offense coordinator got got the axe. Yeah. Um, I think he hired somebody from a small school too, right? That's what that's worked well for Mike Gundy. So we know Matt Campbell knows what he's doing. So it'll be interesting to see what they look like offensively next year. Good question here from Mark Valdez. Uh, biggest surprise commit in the 2023 class. Jerry, you give yours and I'll give mine. Mine. I'm going to go with Sadir Mitchell. Just because Texas hasn't recruited New Jersey. And yes, Kyle Flood had connections. Bo Davis had a great relationship. Um, but Texas just hasn't signed guys from the Garden State. No. So that one's going to be mine. And, I, you know, I, I would throw Cedric Baxter in there, but here's the difference. So Short Choice had been recruiting him for two years. Uh, Texas is moving to the SEC. You're already seeing Texas have more success in the SEC region. I'm actually going to have a story tomorrow, Bobby, about Sarke the Texas national footprint expanding under Sarkeesian. I think people will be shocked this 2024 class, how many kids have been offered nationally and out of how many states. But I'm going with Sadir Mitchell just because New Jersey's not an area Texas signs players from. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I'm. It wasn't a surprise to uh, readers of Inside Texas. It was not a surprise to those of us who followed his recruitment. But my biggest surprise by far was the fact that Arch Manning actually ended up at, at Texas. That's a good one. And I'm not, I'm not trying to denigrate or our, our reporting on was that, Hey, Texas is in the thick of it. We think Texas has a shot. All of those things. I'm surprised that Texas had a shot. Yeah. Coming off a of five and seven season. I mean, Texas was five and seven when he committed to Longhorns. Um, going, going up against, wait a minute, going up against Alabama, <clears throat> Nick Saban doesn't lose too many that he wants. Kirby Smart just took a walk-on quarterback to a national championship and won it. Now he's won two of them with it. Um, but Clemson was, was an offer. I mean, everybody. Right. Everybody, everybody wanted him. Steve Sarkeesian and Texas Longhorns end up with him. That was my biggest surprise because I just, I mean, as, as much as you you want to not wear orange colored glasses, um, the three schools that were involved at that point in time, Texas was low man on the totem pole when it came to proving it on the field in the last right. 10 years. Now, Texas has 
more powerful alumni, better long-term connections. You can you can argue all of those things, I, and I and I get that those are mightily important academics uh, to to the Mannings, but that was that that surprised me because that that was the one that said, "Okay, hello, Steve Sarkeesian's here, and and this uh, this is going to be a fun uh, year to cover recruiting for Texas." And, and, and it's a great point on that. Uh, it, that made the recruiting class, especially coming off of five and seven. Um, and to your point, I mean, look at the time too when he committed. They don't know when Texas is going to the SEC, right? I mean, and all the Mannings have played in the SEC um, their entire careers. And just to your point, I mean, look, it, what's interesting about the about Steve Sarkeesian is I really believe he's kind of their modern day Cutcliffe. Uh, you know, Phil Fulmer had a hand in Peyton Banning going to Tennessee, yeah, but David Cutcliffe was huge in Archie Manning's eyes, right? So much so that he's the head coach at Ole Miss, and that's where Eli went. So I think there's – what's interesting about the Manning family is they get past wins and losses, and they really look at development. And to me, I thought that was the biggest feather in the cap for Steve Sarkeesian is that a, the Mannings, the, the last Manning that's a quarterback, pit, rolled with Steve Sarkeesian, and that family rolled with Steve Sarkeesian because they all had opinions. They know Sark. They were with him in Las Vegas at one of the AFCA thing, uh, things every year, right? But this family put a stamp of approval on Steve Sarkeesian. I think that put a stamp of approval on Steve Sarkeesian for all the recruits in the 23 class and moving forward. All right. Uh, from Jay, the activist, uh, Super Chat. Any chance Deuce goes pro? I'm assuming he's talking about baseball. We know he had a workout with the Dodgers a couple of weeks back before the Polynesian Bowl uh, All-American game that he played in out in Hawaii. Have you heard anything that, about him and pro baseball, Jerry? I think it's legitimate. I, I really think it's legitimate. Um, that doesn't mean I'm predicting he's going in the MLB draft. All this is going to depend on where you get drafted, right? But um, I think for the people that kind of laugh at it, you know, guys that are 6'6", 230, have a little power and can run, those are guys they want to try to develop. So – I, it's him getting drafted in the first five rounds. Not that I've scouted him or I'm an MLB scout. It wouldn't shock me. I mean, let's be real. That wouldn't shock me. Uh, but we'll see. He's not playing high school baseball as a senior. And I think that's going to be interesting to see how that affects his draft status. Well, one of the things you said, Jerry, and, and we talked about is it's possible <clears throat> that he goes and enrolls in a college in June. Yep. Major League Baseball draft is what, mid-July, the 17th or the 19th? It's possible he tries to play both. That's right. And, and he could actually play pro baseball. I mean, Ricky Williams did it. Other people have done it. Um, it, it would be odd. It hasn't really been done of late, uh, but it's something that we could we could see happen. I mean, do you have anything uh, you would say about that? No. I mean, I, I think it'll be interesting, though, not playing high school baseball this year. I, I, that, I, that'll be interesting to see how that affects his draft status. I mean, look, I go all the way back, Bobby. We go all the way back to Adam Dunn, right? <clears throat> Adam Dunn was hitting 450-foot bombs a senior season, okay? They had to, he, Adam Dunn literally built a new field for Duquesne and turned it around because he's hitting home runs on the softball practice field. <laughs> um, so, and it still, he got drafted in the sandwich pick. He came to Texas for a year. Then the Reds talked him out of it, said, hey, the Sims guy signed. What are you doing here? We're going to throw some more money at you. And then 400 home runs later, right? The rest is history. Um, 
so I could see him playing both. Um, I could see him maybe starting in college and seeing if a college, a, a, a major league baseball team can talk him out of it, depending on where he gets drafted. But look, the great thing for the Robinson family, they literally have all the leverage. He's a five-star that didn't sign in December. Smart. Number one tight end in the country. The best guy left on the board at the position. They know it. Um, and the, I think the important thing for Texas fans is if he doesn't sign. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. This week or even in the early signing period or the late signing period, which runs through April 1st, I think Texas is going to continue to recruit him until he either commits to a school or shows up on a campus. They're not giving up on him. He's a kind of a bonus right now on, uh, for Texas, but he's that talented of a player. They're not going to back out of this recruitment until they're said, nope, you have no chance. Uh, I, I just feel like you don't know until the. I, I've been following the MLB draft in high school players so long ago. I mean, I Chip Ombres comes to to mind, oh. and I mean, just I, these guys that signed with A and M and then never showed up because he played pro baseball. Um, you know, I, I also remember going to Adam Dunn's high school <laughs> um, and when he was in high school. And do you know Adam Dunn? You know, all these he's he's a huge kid for a yeah. 16, 17 year old guy when I was scouting him. Do you know he led Greater Houston? Not in batting average. I don't even think he led them in home runs across no. the city. He led in steals. Yeah, because nobody pitched him. They they walked him. They, yeah. <laughs> they walked him all the time. And so he just stole second base. Hey, yeah. uh, thank you to Antonio Harris for the two super chat. We appreciate that uh, very much. Jerry and I uh, really do uh, uh, appreciate your uh, help on that. Uh, a couple more questions here. I want to keep going. Uh, Jerry, what do you think Rodney Terry needs to do to keep the job at Texas? You kind of outlined that a little bit with the 12 and 6 Big 12 record. Uh, but does he have? Doesn't he have to do something in the tournament too? In your opinion? Yeah, I mean, you can't be a three seed and get not bounced by a fourteen, right? That's not going to work. Um, the question is, do you have to go to a Sweet Sixteen? Do you have to win one game? Um, look, if Texas finishes top ten in the country, top twelve, or in that area code, in the best conference in college basketball, and you sit there and you go twelve and six, um, and win. 23 games, maybe 24 if you win one of the Big 12 tournament. He's made a pretty good argument, right? The whole key, though, and I don't think any of us know this yet, does he have to get to the Sweet 16? That seems like a bit of a stretch to me. I think it's the body of work. Um, I think it's how the kids have responded to him. I, I Look, I, I think that if Rodney gets to 12 and 6, and Texas gets to 12 and 6 in conference, It'd be hard for me to argue he doesn't deserve a shot at this job. Uh, because how many coaches have taken over in this circumstance? Yes, he has a very experienced team. But how many coaches have taken over in a circumstance like this and then held the thing together um, and then went on to have success in the toughest conference? And, yeah, you need to do something in the NCAA tournament, even if you win a game. Um, but 
look, man, I I would have I would have a hard time arguing against him if they got the 12 and six, won a big 12 tournament game, won an NCAA tournament game. I mean, because here's the thing I firmly believe. Without Rodney Terry and Chris Ogden on this staff right now, who Ogden is Texas basketball as much as TJ Ford is Texas basketball, right? They were on the same Final Four team together. Ogden coached under Rick. Um, he loves this university. Rodney Terry is pretty much a longhorn without graduating from Texas, right? He coached on Rick Barnes' staff for years. He knows this state. He's the primary recruiter. Though I believe without those two guys, this season would have absolutely fallen apart. And I think Rodney deserves credit. Chris Ogden on the peripheral deserves credit for that. But if it, it, if Rodney can get to 12-6, and six, win a tournament game, win a Big 12 tournament game, it's going to be hard for me to argue he doesn't deserve a chance. I just don't know how you argue that. Yeah. Uh, let's give it a shout out to our sponsor, Energy Texas. Energy Texas is for Texans by Texans. When Energy Texas becomes your energy provider, you're dealing with and calling people in the state of Texas, not back east, not overseas, Texans. We're proud to be from the greatest state in the union and prouder still to be fighting for the little guy against big power. Uh, from the, For those of you not from the state of Texas reading this and have <laughs> to be watching it, there's deregulated power in the state of Texas. So you actually get to choose your uh, energy provider and much of the state uh, in energy. Texas is one of those uh, places that has done a really, really good job for a number of Texans uh, the last couple of years here, especially going through uh, what everything went through last summer with the, uh, the rolling brownouts and all this other stuff. Uh, Jerry, uh, you got anything else you want to, you want to gravitate to real quick before I open it up to further questions? Uh, one other thing. Um, I don't think Texas, there's been some questions. I don't think Texas is moving on a JUCO defensive lineman late in this class. Uh, I think they feel pretty good about where they're at heading the next season. Um, and that kind of leads into spring football. I, I, one of the, the biggest questions for me is what Dre Bledsoe Chris Ross, where they headed long-term as far as their frames. Um, I think that will maybe determine what the number is in 2024 defensive line for Texas. But I think right now they're kind of, they're fine with where they're at. Um, hey, Jerry, neither you nor I have heard anything of late on the offensive assistant special to the head coach, all right, special assistant to the head coach on offense of late. Have you? I have not I have, heard anything. I was going to try to check on it tonight. Yeah, I have not. Okay. I also have this for Xavier Delgado. I'm also checking on this le, le, uh, later tonight. Have we heard anything about moving to the SEC? If I get anything, I will post that on Inside Texas in tomorrow morning's uh, post. I, I am hopeful to get some news there. I will say that uh, uh, both myself and Eric Nalene and other uh, parties inside inside Texas continue to hear it's the 2024 season. Uh, when that will be announced is a different story. So Xavier, thanks for asking and uh, trying to get that information. That's where we're at right now, at least with it. Uh, Justin Yarbrough, have there been any reports on the early enrollees and what teams jump up this year in the Big Team Big 12 and which teams fall? Jerry, you already you already predicted. Baylor may fall a little bit. Yeah, I'm predicting that one. Um, yeah, the, I, I could say four offensive linemen uh, of the early enrollees that came in. Jaden Chapman came in in really good shape from what I hear. Uh, the other big guys are continuing the body reshaping. Um, you know, Connor Stroh's done a great job on his own with that, and that'll continue here in the in the uh, spring with the offseason, then in the spring football in the summer. Uh, but I, I've heard all, DeAndre Moore – Jonte Cook, they're putting in their work. They're, they came in to compete, uh, which I think is great news for for Texas fans in that wide receiver room. 
uh, Cedric Baxter, I, you know, hadn't heard anything negative. I think his body's going to look so different in August from what it was when he reported. Um, he's a typical Sunshine State kid. You, you see six, one and a half, 215. You think he's a rocked up, just chiseled guy. He, he's not. He's strong naturally. But just wait until you see the pictures from his senior year and before his first game. But I hear that the early enrollees are – they've come in to compete. They're working hard. Um, and I haven't heard anything negative so far. Uh, Eric Nalin brought up Malik Muhammad as a guy that's off to a quick start in yep. the secondary as well. He's prepared uh, to be. He's prepared to be, right, Bobby? Yep. I mean, well, we talked about it. It's these guys that you, you you come from a certain stock, and I'm not, you know, and what I mean by that is he's got relatives that are in played in the NFL, played in college football. They know what success looks like. Yeah, it's easy to say, oh, my brother or cousin or uncle did this and this is how he did it all i have to do is do that right and and i know it's it's words are easier than actions but to have someone close to you have that experience is invaluable that's just yeah. that's just the the bottom line uh, and it allows you to push up push uh, that to the forefront of your mind and really act on it all right um, what about teams jerry um i do think iowa state's going to make a jump a little bit this year they lost too many close games uh, yeah. last year. I think TCU may fall, but I'm not saying they're going to, it's not going to be a free fall uh, by any stretch. Um, I, I kind of think OU's got to be better uh, than what they were this year. I mean, I, I don't know how much better is the question because really they, they're not, they did get an offensive lineman from Stanford that I think will start, but their O-line is not going to be great shakes. They're going to be really young on defense again. Yeah. Um, yeah, they have some firepower on offense, but uh, Marvin Mims went pro. Yep. Do you have anybody else that you think is really on the on the way up in the Big Twelve? I like Iowa State in that regard. Anybody else? You, UCF maybe for you? Yeah, I think UCF's going to knock off a couple, but I think Texas Tech under uh, Joey's going to make Texas Tech competitive because he has such great energy. I mean, you know, it's such a positive energy there. But he did a, a good job on his OC hire, in my opinion. And, and but here's the thing about Joey, just being around Cedar Hill in high school for all those years, it's a great energy, but it's a physicality with energy, right? It's not, it's not raw raw players coach guy. It's a great energy if you're a player there, but there's also a physical element to it. Um, you don't have the success he had without being a physical team, winning those state titles, the people they beat, uh, they ran, they won some tough games, some physical games in the fourth quarter. Uh, Joey knows what he's doing, so I, and I think they recruited some really good speed this year. So it's not going to surprise me. But again, and here's the other thing with Tech: I'm a big Baron Morton fan now. I think he's going to be a drafted guy one day, and so I think they have a quarterback, which makes them dangerous. <laughs> I'm laughing at this one because it's so true. Can we talk about from James Williams? Can we talk about how we don't play Oklahoma State the one year we probably beat them? It's so how many players do they have right now? I haven't. I, it's just so true. It's funny. You really, I think Oklahoma State only plays one Texas school in this yeah. new schedule. Um, yeah. I was talking about this with Joe Cook earlier. Literally, while the five Texas teams play around Robin, um, that, that's interesting to me because they're all original Southwest Conference members. The original Big Eight members, Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State. Um, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State gets treated like a stepchild 
I mean, they, they don't play. It, it's kind of interesting. Uh, they get, they're the ones that get thrown to the wolves uh, to play all the other teams. I feel like, uh, so uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, but thanks for the question. And I, I couldn't agree more with you, James, at some, at some level, but Spencer Sanders finally, finally quits, you know, calls it quit. And then we're there. Uh, Pope Casino asking about Malik, uh, Malik Murphy having a chance to play this year. He Is has he a shot. Well, we have multiple Maliks. Is it Malik Murphy? Malik Muhammad or Malik Murphy? We'll get... If it Murphy, I think is going to be he's going to be hard. That's a hard one. Malik Murphy's too heavy. What now? Yeah, I yeah, think Malik Murphy's two A's. Malik Murphy, Bobby is. Yeah, but let's say Malik Murphy first, and we'll go to Malik Muhammad. I think what'll be most interesting about Malik Murphy is when you go through a mechanical overhaul, and they really he said Malik Murphy, and really really shorten your release. When that peripheral vision happened, it's easy to do it when you're throwing on air, right? It's easy to think about it and think about the mechanics. But then when the walls start closing in, that peripheral vision sees rushers. You have to step up and play quarterback. Do you go back to what you've always done, which is a long-range emotion, or are you able to take that mechanical change to the pocket when it's live bullets? If he can do that, he's going to have a chance. Is he going to play this year? My We'll see. My opinion is Arch may get in a couple of games and save his red shirt, right? I mean, because it's all going to be dependent on the jump Quinn makes from your first year starting to second year. If Quinn has a really good year, you got to think the NFL draft is where he's going to head. Yeah, I mean, he'd be his third year out. Um, and and I, I feel like that's, I don't want to say a long shot. I, I'd say that's a 20% or below shot based on how he played this year. Am, am I counting it out though? And the answer is no. Um, but uh, he's not only Murphy's not only going to have competition in Quinn Ewers, obviously Arch Manning as well. Even though I will say this much, I we we both know somebody that talked to to a couple of coaches on the Texas staff. They really really think Malik Murphy's got something a little something to him. You know what I mean? They he's got a spine. Yeah. Does that make sense to you? That he's yeah. got he's got a little will will there. Um, this comes from Dodgers 988 fan. What time does Warren Roberson sign to Texas tomorrow? Hook him. Can't be that presumptuous, first of all. Uh, let me take this one, Jerry, for you, okay? Um, Roberson and Red Oak are not having their signing ceremony for National Signing Day 2 until Friday. Um, Roberson himself has not come out and said, I'm signing today, I'm signing uh, Wednesday, or I'm signing Friday. We don't know when for sure he's doing it. Justin Wells found out this information that their signing ceremony isn't until Friday. Steve Sarkeesian, however, the Texas head coach, will speak to the media tomorrow uh, about uh, the signing class. We'll have some reports on that as well. But uh, it is a situation where Warren Roberson has not said much publicly during his recruitment. And as it winnows down to the, the last few hours, I don't think he's going to start talking now. So... That's that's my my opinion of that Jerry you you agree with that or have other thoughts? Oh yeah yeah no I I I think he could sign tomorrow and not let, tell anybody the college will keep it quiet until a Friday ceremony I could see that happening very easily with Warren. Yep. Um, from Freelance Society, obviously UT will recruit Texas kids, but do you think the strategy for the staff is going after out of state guys? I'm betting Sark will get the most compared to past UT coaches. They 
are definitely leaving no stone unturned in the Southeast. Florida and Georgia, I've never, even with Charlie Strong, who had all those Florida ties, I've never seen Texas be as active in Florida in Georgia before. What, I, I don't want that? to give away my story tomorrow, Bobby, but they've offered about 40 kids combined from those two states in 24. Not, never have we seen that. Ever. And I think it's around 65 offers from Louisiana to Florida. So including and, Mississippi and Alabama as well as Louisiana. Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, Florida. Unbelievable numbers. Um, and so that piece I, I'm going to break out in the morning is – going to be that Texas expanding the national footprint under Steve Sarkeesian. And it's going to kind of lay it out state by state, the offers. Um, it, it, it's very interesting. But here's what I would say. Texas knows the home state is the most important state. So even though they're offering a bunch of kids out of state, they know they have to win in state. Uh, they're focused on winning in state. But the reality is even your great states, Florida, Texas, Georgia now, which I think is ahead of California, that doesn't mean you're great at every position in every cycle. Defensive line in Texas next year, eh, Ziffy in 2024. Alex January is a guy that Texas would take. Outside of that, you don't really see it. So they're going to go battle in the Southeast region. There are certain positions where you're going to get everything you need in state. That could be defensive back in this class. Maybe, maybe not. But what I'm saying is Texas know, values the home state. They know it's most important, but they also know to get to where they ultimately want to be, and that's playing against Georgia, that you have to go recruit the best players. Jerry, let's let's uh, throw in a fun question here uh, for you and me. Kind of take us off this. We're, we're, we're getting so so tied up in Texas football. Got to take one off. Eagles or Chiefs, which way are you going? Man, I'm not a big NFL watcher, I'll be honest. Um, if Mahomes is healthy, it's hard to bet against him. A lot of experience there. Um, a lot of experience there. I think it could be the Eagles be a team of destiny. You could argue it, but we'll see what happens. I don't have a strong opinion. I'm going like I'm going for the Eagles. I'm going with the Eagles. I've I've watched a little bit more. <laughs> I've watched a little. What do you bit want? More. You want to see a riot in Philadelphia? <laughs> <laughs> I know well, my daughter's up there right now. I, I tell you what is happening, Jerry. Philadelphia can stop the run and yeah. run the ball. Yeah, and. Uh, I felt like, uh, it, other than Travis Kelsey, the chiefs don't have a go-to receiver right now. Right. That's um, they, they've tried and they just, they just don't have it. It's so it's not like they have Tyreek Hill right. who's running around wide open every single time he, that Patrick Mahomes tries to drop back the pass. Uh, and so I just think it's a little bit different. I also think, uh, the Eagles defense a little bit stronger. Hey, 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 by the way, we need to mention something, Bobby. This is not a backpack for you and I, but it kind of is uh, because it's, this is fun stuff to talk about. In our 24-7 sports days, you called me and said, talk to a high school coach or a longtime connection. There's a D lineman down in Mississippi, committed to Mississippi State, that you might want to drive down from Nashville and go see. It was Chris Jones. And – I'll never forget the funniest thing about Chris Jones, and it's amazing. You know, Robert Kimdichie and Ruben Foster and Chris Jones were our top three recruits, and we had Kimdichie one, Jones two, Foster, I believe, stayed three. None of us believed Kimdichie because we just kind of knew he had some off-the-field stuff, but 
He was such a dominant player at times. But Chris Jones, where he came from and where he's at now, to me is amazing after seeing him in person. And Mississippi State, it was the funniest thing. When you went into that high school, it was all Mississippi State coaches on that staff. Like, nobody could get in. Those police officers would pull over an Alabama coach before they let him into that school. Okay, that kid had to go to state. They had to keep it the state. Old Miss made a run. Alabama tried to make a run. But it's amazing um, where he was the day I was there and where he's at now, which this guy's got a chance to uh, wear a yellow jacket if he stays healthy. A couple guys that that's happened to. I, I got told that by a high school coach. I, I was I was in Mississippi for the Texas Ole Miss game. Yeah. Uh, that year in, in Oxford. And an old high school coach, and I, I went to go look at a couple of kids and was talking to one of them, said, you know, the best kid in the States, the guy down at, in Houston County, I think yeah. it was, or West Houston County. County. Yeah. And I go, what? And I looked in our, I looked in the database and the only kid I could find, no, the only kid I could find was him. And he was a two star. Yeah. And I'm like the best kid in the state of Mississippi. And I called Jerry and Jerry's like, well, I mean, I go, all I know is they said he's probably going to go to Mississippi State the next day you were down there, and you sent me a picture back of Chris Jones in high school. I hope you still have it. He was I like don't. Six, I don't. He was like 6'4", six, 6'5", six, with like an 83-inch wingspan. Yes. And looked like, I mean, 235 pounds, and I was just like, oh, my God. Yeah, they hide guys down there. And yes, that, he, was, he was completely hidden uh, from the rest of everybody. All right, let's get back to some Texas talk here uh, and really uh, get going. Um, this one from Jordan Bonner, and I think this is a, a legitimate question because a lot of people overvalue recruiting rankings or overemphasize them uh, without the proper context. Uh, Jordan asks, should we be concerned if we don't see the early enrollees we expect to see play? Example, Hill, Cook, excluding Arch, or can we chalk it up to development? Um, Jerry, you take this question. I want to take a little bit of it too. Go ahead. Uh, one, I would say no, because the portal changes the game. You got, you got experienced corner Gavin Holmes, experienced safety in Jalen Catalan. That allows you to develop Derek Williams at safety. If you get a Warner Oberson, develop those guys a little bit, right? Even though he's not an early enrolling. Um, Tavondre Sweat coming back. So Sadir Mitchell's not going to walk in and play 40 snaps a game. You get a chance to get those guys on the field, but develop them. So no, I don't think you should be worried I actually go the opposite way you're building the program the right way those guys play a little bit they get their feet wet um, they get a year to really train and develop uh, and then they're ready to go year two they play special teams they play some um, in, in roles but no I don't think it, the one player I will say I would be concerned about and I think it would only be injury would be Cedric Baxter because Cedric Baxter and Jonathan Brooks have to carry the load at running back next year for me. So of all the Malik Muhammad doesn't have to fight for a starting position next year. He just has to develop and play a little bit. Derek Wood is not an early enrollee the same. Anthony Hill's got to play though. The linebackers maybe, but I think it's really Cedric Baxter for me. I want to go to this next question here. I, I before I do, I do want to agree with you on one thing. Do not overestimate the value of recruiting in year one what has changed a little bit of that is kids that come in in the spring yeah year after year guys that are there in the spring have a little bit of jump a guy like cole hudson 
is a perfect example of that. Yep. I'm not sure Cole Hudson starts if he comes in with everybody Whatever. else in the in in summer camp as opposed to be there earlier. Uh, next thing I want to go to KD. I am the best. Jerry, crazy. Every team in the country is offering Taz Williams. This is the wide receiver. Is he 2025 or 2025 out of Red Oak? Warren Roberson's teammate. Uh, Georgia, Ohio State, ba Michigan, Bama. Why has it Texas and what are they waiting on? Sounds like he likes Texas a lot. I want to say this. It sound just from reading, I'm reading an inside Texas internal chat. Texas may have just offered a Lufkin defensive lineman Zion Williams. Stone. Uh, a defensive uh, lineman in 2025 earlier tonight as well. So you guys can mark that one down. Go ahead, Jerry. What do you think about Taz Williams? Yeah. Um, look, I, I will say this. You got to let Chris Jackson evaluate the wide receivers. You got a new wide receiver coach. That's fair. And that's an easy way out for Steve Sarkeesian. Look, we have our guy, Chris Jackson. He just came to us from the NFL. He wants to take his time and evaluate you guys, see you guys. He hasn't met any of you guys. He hasn't watched any of you guys. Um, and I think that's a very important piece here. The last thing you want to do is Chris Jackson comes in, you force him who to offer right off the bat. He needs to evaluate the state, evaluate his position, and him and Sark need to get together with the offensive staff and come to an agreement on who their guys are. I think that's where it's at. Yeah, I I agree. I, I think that's a good that's a good call. Um, I will say this: they've got to be a little bit more. Uh, they they can't be too slow on the draw. Right. Right. I mean, it has to be some of that. Um, Jerry, a couple of people have mentioned about, uh, yes. Uh, yeah, I know this <laughs> is the bad news. Some people have mentioned about the two quarterbacks, both being from Texas in the Super Bowl, Pat Mahomes and Jalen Hurts, Texas really never evaluated Pat Mahomes to my knowledge. They were stuck with, uh, they were stuck on Gerard Hurd who had come off a state championship win for uh, Denton Geyer. Uh, in that class for, for Pat Mahomes and never really looked around. Jalen Hurts is a different story. They actually had him in camp, but did not offer. Uh, did Jalen Hurts want to go to Texas? You were, you were in that high school. You saw the dad, dad, former high school coach. What are your thoughts? I think he would have loved to be able to drive and see his kid play e more easily. So, yes, I would say if Texas, if he would have been Texas's guy, Hurts would have ended up at Texas. But that same could be said for JT Barrett. Same could be said for Andrew Luck. I mean, there we don't need to get into the conversation, but boy, it could be a long one. Yeah, <laughs> and not necessarily a really, not necessarily a really fun one. You Chase know what I mean? Texas football <laughs> for a decade. Hey, let's talk about this because I think this is a fair question for Texas fans to ponder. Um, from Matt Chanel, um, they are probably not too uh, up to speed until six games in on the bye. What do you think about that? Can we can we no. make that assumption? Or? I don't think so. I think he's going to be ready. As of right now, he's back. He's running now. I, I think he's going to be ready for the opener unless he has a setback. Yeah, I, I, I just don't know. Two weeks before the season. I mean, I don't think it takes 20 months to or uh, 17 months to really rehab. I, I think today, modern medicine, I think he's going to be ready to roll in August. Um, any word on our boys at the Senior Bowl? Let me read these out to you because – I got them texted to me the other day. Hold on a second. Or not the other day, yesterday. And it's the official numbers uh, from uh, the uh, game out there. I think it's the Shrine game, East-West. Uh, it is, and it is. Keandre Coburn came in at 6'1 and 1 8, 344 pounds. 
had a 77-inch wingspan. Okay, 77-inch, 6'1", 344. He's an interior guy, no zero tech or two tech at the very most in the NFL. Moro Ojomo may have made himself some money just by getting on the scales uh, and, and getting out there. 6'2", and four, uh, six, two and a half, I think, 293 pounds. So good, not, not unbelievable or anything. Listen to this 10 and two eighths hand size, Jerry, and then an 83 and three eighths wingspan. Yeah, that gets you drafted. That's, that's what I'm saying. That, that means you can stay on the tackle and play outside. Yeah. At that 293 pounds, even and- though you're not the quickest. Right. right, And he's a young guy. That's got right. a long runway. He's a guy they'll want to develop. Yeah. Don't and have anything. He's going to be great in your franchise, in your locker room. He's got a lot of things going for him, similar to Roshan Johnson. Let me ask you this. What did Texas list Deshaun Jameson at? What size? Do you remember? I don't remember. But I, 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 saw, I saw his measurements from the Shrine Bowl, and he literally is the same height and is almost the same weight as he was coming out of high school, which I thought was interesting. Maybe gained five pounds. Yeah, five foot nine, 186 officially. Yeah. Okay. I, I think Texas listed him at six foot. <laughs> I, think was, I think he was 181 at the Under Armour game his senior year. So, I mean, he stayed in that, that same area, 5'9", 181 his senior year at the Under Armour game. Yeah, that's 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 crazy. All right, let's get to some other questions. If you have questions, please get them in. We got about uh, five more minutes here. Not not very long. Uh, I do want to say thank you to our sponsor once again. That's Energy Texas. Energy Texas is for Texans by Texans. When Energy Texas becomes your energy provider, you're dealing with and calling people in the state of Texas, not back east, not overseas. Texans, we're proud to be from the greatest state in the union, and prouder still to be fighting for the little guy against big power. That's energytexas.com. A couple more questions coming in, in here, Jerry. And let's let's just get it where get, get what we got. One of the things that I found interesting is it sounds like the Washington offensive coordinator, University of Washington offensive coordinator, has turned down, has turned down Nick Saban to go to uh, Alabama. What do you think of that? I I kind of agree with that. Um, I think he's in a good spot. I think they have their quarterback back. He's not breaking in a freshman quarterback in Ty Simpson uh, under the pressure cooker when Alabama is no longer the top program in college football. Um, he's probably sit, He's in a great spot to be the next head coach at Washington because if the bowler is going to get s- snatched up by somebody at some point, um, he's, he's doing too much at a young age. Um, I think it's a great decision. Got your quarterback back. Uh, program he could be the next head coach at why risk it 817 aka mr talk too much i need four wide in 2023 instead of the two the the two wide one running back two tight end set that we saw much of i think we're going to see more three wide what do you think uh, jerry yeah i definitely think so i think the receiver room uh dictates that one um i think that's where Quinn's going to be probably most comfortable. But again, more than Quinn being comfortable, it's not about that. He's a first-year quarterback that didn't even play a senior in high school last year. It's with A.D. Mitchell and Worthy in Whittington, you say Nair comes back, John Tay Cook, DeAndre Moore, Savion Red, Brennan Thompson, you have the ability to run more three wide next year. 
I don't know if they really had the ability to do it last year as much as they wanted to. They have that this year. And I think you have a new wide receiver coach that's coming in a great situation. He can really put his stamp on these guys. I think you're going to see that position make a big jump. And I think you're going to see Sarkeesian's uh, offensive scheme open up the way people thought it would watching him at Alabama and prior. Two more questions here. I'm expecting big things from DJ Campbell based on the hype when he committed. How is he doing? I want to change that question and alter it just a little bit, Jerry. Not only about DJ, but who else in that recruiting class last year do you expect to make a big jump in their second year? Yeah, I think DJ Campbell will start at right guard unless he gets injured. Uh, He's just so athletic. I think he needed – look – you know, we had Nathan O'Neill here talking about defensive linemen, how long it takes to be a pass rusher, right, and develop as a pass rusher. Well, think about D.J. Campbell. He played as much defense as offense, okay? And he wasn't in for the spring, as you mentioned, with Cole Hudson last year. So his development, it doesn't mean his ranking was off. His development just takes a little longer. Uh, I think D.J. will make a jump. I think Neto will make a jump. I think Cam Williams is going to make a jump. Um, I'm not saying Ogbo's not. I'm not saying Connor Robertson's not. Connor Robertson made a quiet jump last year. He was the number two center all season, but Jake Majors was healthy, so he never got pushed into action. Um, uh, So I really look at DJ, Neto, and Cam. Year two in the program, first spring football, I think those guys are going to make big jumps headed in August. I would have said before, outside of offensive line, because that's where the majority of talent was last year. Right. We would agree that that's they just signed such an incredible offensive line class before the Alamo Bowl. I would have put money on Terrence Brooks being that. That's guy. a great one. That, but now you can't say that. Right. right? Because he's people have seen it. Um, I, I'm going to go with Jamon Tapp. That's a great one. I, I think that just from what I'm hearing from behind the scenes a little bit, people are liking what they're seeing from the young guy um, playing through some stuff, getting in some good work. You know, let's see in the spring, though. I think I think I would have a, a better sense of that in the spring. I think him and Bledsoe. Okay, me. got it. All right. Uh, one more from Jordan Bonner. Some recruiting experts are crystal balling Deuce Robinson to Texas, Jerry. Should we be excited or take it with a green grain of salt? I'm leaning grain of salt. I haven't seen anybody do it other than Mike Farrell. And Mike Farrell tries to make wild predictions. He's almost... No offense to, to Mike, but I feel like he's become the Skip Bayless of recruiting at some level. So, <laughs> Yeah, the only predictions are Georgia, <laughs> okay? Yeah. I mean, let, let's be real. The, the okay. only predictions on uh, in the industry are Georgia right now. Um, and if I was forced to put in an RPM today, that's where I'd put it as well. Uh, but I think there's could be a long way to go in this recruitment. Um, so, no, I, I'm not buying. I'm not close to putting in an RPM for Texas. I'll say that. Got it. All right. Hey, Jerry Hamilton of Inside Texas and On3, uh, thank you so much. Please like and subscribe to our coverage here on All of Texas Football. Also, check us out on InsideTexas.com. Uh, we'll, we have a special going on right now, $30 all the way through uh, August 31st for first-time su- subscribers. That'll get you spring practice. That'll get you all of our uh, coverage on recruiting this summer and spring. Uh, it's a w- value well worth it uh, in this. Uh, we really, I really think uh, I've been doing this a long time, 30 plus years. And I think we have something special going on 
right now at InsideTexas.com. All right, for Jerry Hamilton, I'm Bobby Burton. This has been the Longhorn Livestream on Texas Football. Thanks for watching.